when you do a jam, you, you get to, it's like you put on armor that just kind of keeps those things from hitting you for a while. Yeah. Well, just, in reality, it's just, called just piling up the outside. armor of neglect. <laughs> yeah. Scotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 214 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm living in a web nightmare. <laughs> Sam, and I'm the artist, and I'm tired. This is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is July 14th, 20 grind teen, smack in the middle of the Butterscotch Shenana Jam. Um, also, before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be profanity, probably. Almost definitely. We can't really make any promises there. We'll Never try to. Not. I was going to say Nightmare Hellscape, but I thought I would hold off on that one until <laughs> the profanity. Nightmare Dangscape. Nightmare Dangscape. Um, okay, so we are uh, a what are we, like 50-something hours into the jam. Yep. There's 14 hours left uh, before submissions are due. So Is that right? Is it 14 hours until 8 a.m.? Yeah. yeah. We have to sleep during that time. So we got to go to sleep, and then it's right back to work uh, <laughs> making games. So there's just no rest. I had to take a break from my job of making games. Yeah. <laughs> make games yeah. um, all right. So uh, during this first part of the episode – oh, yeah. So we're doing this live. We actually have uh, – looks like – 39,000 people in, <laughs> in the Discord uh, listening to this episode live. And so we're going to be taking some questions from people uh, a little bit later in the episode. And we're also going to be sending some questions out into the audience. Um, and so in the meantime, while you guys are thinking of questions you might want to ask or things you want us to talk about, we're just going to talk about what we've been doing. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's talk about our experience so far. What has happened? Oh, my gosh. Well... So, you know, our, our whole goal was we've been doing this for seven years. We've been jamming for basically all that time. And so the question was, can we just make an MMO? Because I think we could <laughs> just, just do. do it. Well, uh, okay. Anytime we do a jam, we always try to find something that's just going to really hurt. Well, you got like, yeah, to, you got to, <laughs> you always got to pick something to push on, right? And I think we have plenty of people in the Discord who are talking about, uh, you know, the jam kicking their ass, so to speak, but that it somehow feels good. Yeah. It's a very good feeling to sort of stretch yourself. And so, yeah, we always pick some dimension. Everybody it's like has to brain pick brain yoga. It really is. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, we just said, you know what? It's time. Let's do We've it. We've never made a multiplayer game. We've done, so, we've done nothing with real-time networking ever. Yeah. yeah. So why don't we just try to do it in the most constrained way possible in the largest possible implementation? Yep. Although, although part of the kind of the joke of all of this is that an MMO is actually easier to make than a game, a networked multiplayer game where there's That's matchmaking true. involved. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you just put people in there and so really, just, everybody just goes route. in the same place. Yeah. I think, it's, I think it's actually way easier to make an MMO than it is to make... Uh, some sort of, you know, four-player dungeon crawler well, sounds like we have our thing. next jam yeah. problem to solve. But how did it go? Where are we at? Uh, where's the we, game? We are at, we are at uh, two hours ago. We were missing some functionality that was required, but everything that was in there was working great. Yeah, super slick. Now yeah. we are So at, we're like, we'll just real quick, just add this one last <laughs> So, yeah. so just now, one last little piece. Uh -huh. So now we have all of the required components, uh, but some of them are real, really broken. Yeah. Um, right, three minutes before we walked in here, uh, we fixed one of one of them, which was yes. that. Which was that if you if you were walking around like like little trees and spawning trees are spawning and stuff, and you'd be standing there next to a tree that you knew spawned. You asked the server for it. The server knew it was there. You're just standing there next to it. 
you know, they hang out for say like 30 seconds or something and you turn around and you try to bite it because that's how you interact with things in this game. You bite yeah, it. So, yeah, you, yeah. so you turn around and you try to bite it and then it's, and it's not there. I mean, you can see it, but then but it's not there. But the server's <laughs> like, I don't know what tree, man. Yeah, the what server's like, I don't know what this is. And so, because <laughs> the there's no, the server's not sending a response. It just doesn't do anything because we didn't set that up. And so your character just sits there with its mouth open. Just, just waiting. Like, just waiting just for the waiting server, for the to, server to, <laughs> to say, yeah, you can chomp that tree. And it never does. <laughs> My favorite part though was that Adam kind of got up in a bit of a huff and walked over to the to get a Diet Coke. It was just sort of like cracking. <laughs> and then I was like, do you need a rubber duck? And he's like, yeah, sure. So I go stand over there and then like a couple <laughs> minutes in as he's explaining, he goes, it needs to be a fucking and. Yeah. <laughs> because he missed an yeah. and or. I had, like, an, oh. I had an or where I needed an and. Oh, that's the worst. It happens all the time. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, so normally in our jams, uh, at, so Adam is our web developer. So normally he's kind of like on the periphery. Well, we almost never incorporate web de- web design or in the in, in the past for our, our jam games. We've not incorporated web tech into the design at all. Yeah, it was always a thing. We just kind of would like let's tack this on in the last you know twelve hours. But no, you basically made half the game. Yeah, the, yeah, the half yeah. that lives on the server. So you're doing like legit game programming plus web code all at once. Yep. Um, well, let's let's talk about what the game is and like how we kind of scoped it and then where it where it landed. Sure. So Goop. So basically, what it's called is Fields of Goop, and yeah. it is a MMORPG <laughs> <laughs> slash battle royale of sorts. Um, Mostly because a, we didn't have time to make enemies, so we're like, uh, I guess other players are the enemies. Yep. Yeah, because we, like, pl- we had that was we actually had this discussion last night. We were like, okay, well, we got players and their players are moving around. The server didn't have any trouble knowing where players are and having players know where each other are. Uh, and then we had items in the world, so you could like interact with static items. But then we're like, for enemies, we're going to need AI. This, that means the, the AI is going to be on the server. AI is going to be on the server. We have to, we have to recode up the thing logic. Mm-hmm. I just call them things that are in the world. So oh, recode yeah. the thing logic to now have, <laughs> to now have moving things. Oh, God. Uh, and then we were like, what if we just let you fight each other? Because well, now so I'm, I'm now curious about this because we always during jams, we have – Basically, when your when your skills are running up against the very real constraints of the time, yeah, um, I think there's always some interesting compromises that have to be made, and oftentimes they're totally fine, and they may end up even making the game a better game. So I'm curious just to field some some uh, responses from the audience, uh, if anybody can speak to any experience they had that was similar to that, where you're running into basically something you need to do or you feel like you need to do, it and you realize that there's this sort of this sort of easy way out that can that can make use of what yeah. you've already made and some twists. So basically what we ended up doing is making it that uh, players can actually bite each other and yep. kill each other uh, as well as heal each other, which is just sort of just how it is. Because I, I had enough your, generic logic that all I had to do was just apply the same function just to a player object instead of a thing object. And then it would just, you know, it would just work, yeah. you know? And then the conversation we had last night was also, okay, how do we just kind of up the interactivity level a little bit? Because we don't know how much game will actually come out of this. Yeah. And... Yeah. Our goal right now is just to finish getting it working. And so it's probably – it's not going to be well balanced by any stretch. No. Um, but so basically what that means is that we said, OK, is there anything we can do, any little thing we can do to make it so people will just hang out in here? And so we said, OK, we need some emotes. So yeah. <laughs> we went back and added uh, added a plop animation to the character and a jump animation. So just like in most modern MMOs, uh, people just jump all the time. Yeah, yep. because it, it accomplishes nothing. It accomplishes There's nothing, no reason to fun. do it. And it's just a, a little way for you to interact. And then we have this plop where the character just sits down. And so uh, I got to experience this because sure did not know that those were in. And so we were walking around and then I just plopped down next to him. And he's like, oh, <laughs> how did you do that? And then we just we just sat down and then we sort of 
had this little mini game where we tried to line up our little square bodies to make yep. a little wall of eyeballs. And then we were staring at him while he was fixing net code. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It was just dumb and fun. So uh-huh. we're trying to get the game to actually work. But uh, but yeah, that's kind of where we're at. And, and right now it does. So we were, we were debating deploying it right before we got on the cast. Because um, mm-hmm. like you can get out there and you can be in the world and you can you can do stuff. It's just that when you're trying to put things – it's really it's – it's, right now it's a it's a loot problem, right? Yeah. Currently, which is when you're trying to put loot in your inventory, sometimes it goes in there. Sometimes it disappears. Sometimes <laughs> the numbers on that loot get real wacky. Yep. I got that one though. I think that is that one fixed? fixed? That okay. one's good. That one's good now. So that one's fixed. But now, one down. <laughs> yeah, and I, but it, it's just so frustrating because I, I know I intentionally coded up logic to do things like make sure that if you throw loot on the ground, it can't land on top of another piece of loot on the ground. Yeah, that was exactly what happened. When we and then yeah, then we got there <laughs> testing it, and you just it's just landing right on top of itself. There's probably another one of those yep. ores. It probably so it's yeah, going to be. It's somewhere. always it's always a missed exclamation mark, which is the not. Mm-hmm. Or you just forgot when you're when you're. It's almost always Boolean logic. It's it is yeah. fucking always Boolean logic that screws. You got a, like a parentheses in the wrong place, so you like yep. grouped something together with the wrong yep. thing. So I think yeah. I think we're about three bugs away from actually being able to deploy. Yeah. The question is, how many hours will it take to find those That's three definitely stupid tiny bugs that are causing all of our headaches? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's been it's been good. Oh yeah, <laughs> I feel like. it has been a blast. It's just the last couple hours have been a little aggravating. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we kind of get more into the questions where we talk about everybody else's experiences as well. Um, let's talk about the event as a whole. What mm-hmm. happened? We got four hundred people, more than four hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we were now are, we're losing a few at the tail end there. Yeah, you always lose a few. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people who just decided, you know what, this is I'm not going to subject people to <laughs> this thing that I made. Yeah, we're hoping we can. St- Stay at the 400 mark because we've been just just under it for the past two years. We got just over it this time. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's just, so just if you're thinking about stay. quitting, don't, don't don't you quit. Don't, <laughs> ruin, don't ruin that 400. You build that game and you submit it because we need to be over 400 people. Um, and I, I think already we've had 19 or 20 games submitted. Mm-hmm. So things really like in the last 15 minutes really kind of ramp up. It's usually like the last 80 games will come in that oh, yeah. last little chunk of time. Um, so as far as – But I would definitely recommend since we're – so we're recording this at 6 p.m. on Sunday. Yes. So so those of you listening to us live who are jamming, um, consider, if you're in the same time zone, not staying up all night until 8 a.m. Yes, tomorrow. Definitely. Because that's just not good for your because human body. No. You can't get that healthy living achievement. If no, you it's do true. That, so. I think there's a good chance that everybody's already kind of flopped on that one. I know mm-hmm. I have. Mm-hmm. I flopped right out of the gate. Yeah. I think I – think- <laughs> Yep. As soon as we we're like, okay, it's time to get started. And then like, boom, chocolate bar. Shit. I'm out. I'm yep. out. I can't do it. Well, so what have we seen this year? What's what's sort of the lay of the land? All right. So so we are just to recap our themes were DNA Chaos, Wrenches 101, and Christmas Eve. Um, so first of all, hilariously, two people, at least two people, uh used the wren part of wrenches to make a game about a bird, a wren. <laughs> Throwing or using wrenches at or on opponents of mm-hmm. some kind. Uh, would not have thought of that, but apparently it's in the air. At least two people did. Uh, so I always love seeing when like a theme sparks like the exact same weird yep. thing. Um, we had a lot of people building loot box games because we had the achievement, <laughs> yes. the achievement of uh, totally ethical surprise mechanics, I think it was. Uh, so we had a lot of people doing that. I saw a great pun. We have a, I think, a Santa-themed game called Doom Slayer, but spelled like slay. Yep. Like S-L-E-A. Like to, you know. to murder. 
S L E I to fly. Yeah, the thing that Santa Doom Slayer. Hilarious. Game where you're a submarine and you ping your sonar by yelling ping at your computer. Yeah, I'm real excited to take that one. Which that was for the seal approved achievement mm-hmm. where you control the game with sound. Uh, and then we also had uh Cami Moop, who is one of the uh one of the high end level builders from Levelhead, uh, made a game where you are cursed by a cursor before going dungeon diving. A cursor like a mouse cursor? Yeah, or yeah. It flies nice. by and gives a cursor. It's a cursor. Nice. <laughs> That's <laughs> what it does. Makes sense. This is, this, is all, this is all the kind of puns that I want. So I am, I'm enjoying the fact that so many people really capitalized on puns for oh, yeah. all of these things. It's very much in the spirit of the jam. I yes. Think. Um, I feel like if you're one of those people who gets really upset about puns, then you probably aren't super pumped about pretty much any of the things that we make. Yeah. At all. <laughs> so, uh, and then we also uh, had a lot of people doing the healthy living achievement. It seemed like. That's a big hit, yeah. which is funny because it's like <laughs> sort of give everybody an excuse to go, you know, be good at, at doing the correct things in life. Everyone's like, yes, for 48 hours, I can hold yeah. out. I can eat apples. I can yeah. sleep. You hours. say like for 48 hours, I'm going to just like really focus. I'm going to be fully motivated the whole time. Yep. I'm going to build something amazing. I'm going to take care of my body, take care of my mind. And then when it's over, I don't know, just go back to the- <laughs> Back to how it was. Netflix and binging chocolate. I want to bring some uh, some audience stuff in here, so audience feedback. So after mentioning, you know, using something in your game for a different purpose, sort of halfway through a jam as you're trying to solve some problems, uh, that Rumpus said, basically everything in my game this year was me underestimating how difficult something would be and coming up with some really good, really rough, good enough situations. And Astro Beef said, I was making code for equipment and realized I could use the exact same code to make a tree drop apples. Yeah. Yeah, Which, buddy. No idea how that works, but I'm glad it did. I could yep. I could imagine a few scenarios. Yeah, I, I, just, <laughs> I had a similar deal. I had my code set up so that I could have uh, when things out in the world were murdered that they could throw loot on the ground. Mm. And I was like, I can just use this for players, too, because I just like pretend the player was a thing. Yep. <laughs> well, we, loop, we, actually had a th- we actually had a scenario where we were applying stats to the equipment – so the, the items that you get out in the world, they have like a rarity. So they might be like epic or common or whatever. And uh, they've got all these different stats on them. And then at some point we're like, well, we need to put stats on the player, but we don't want to change the format of those stats. So we'll just send all those stats to the player too. So the player also has a rarity attached to them. <laughs> Your rarity is just zero. The rarity, they're just like, they're just a common. You're a, you're a peasant. It's a common <laughs> plebe. Oh, yeah, I mean, one of our biggest problems was data serialization, which is just sucky um so it's basically converting you know binary crap into useful data because it's just so easy just you know, you're just off by one thing you're like seth uses a signed i use an unsigned or one of us uses 16 bits instead of eight or whatever mm-hmm. you know there's like one little thing you can do and then the whole thing is just and now every number wrong. you see is negative two billion yep and so yeah, so to try to like solve that we just said okay even when we don't we're going to minimize the number of different ways we have to process the data so if that means sending a whole bunch of data we don't need or that is just a bunch of zeros just so that the format is like the sequence is the same, then that is what we're, we're doing. We're doing that. We're doing that. Fill thing. it up. Yep. Yes. Uh, also, Coffee Chemist uh, is asking how many items we have in the game. Um, so we infinite. We only have yeah. It's an open world, so it's just they yep. keep respawning. You could play it for the rest of your life if you want. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we actually built a, a loot system that was it was it, so the game is inspired by Goop Legacy from before, which is all about mutating your goop. So we use the DNA chaos theme. And so the only item you get is mutagens. And so so the game is basically about like going out there, 
trying to find the mutagens that are just right for you, you know, <laughs> uh, to make your character run super fast or be really tanky or be like a dodging maniac or be a healer because you can also heal each other because, you know, it's an MMO. Yeah. Mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we only have one item that you pick up, but we have infinite variability within that item. Or um, infinite enough variability. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Bam wants to know what achievements we got. I was actually just about to cover that. Uh, so achievements. We got uh, – we, we're going we're gonna to claim the innovation achievement, which is that your game is a battle royale because it, the it only thing you be. can do in the game is kill people and you can have 100. So Yeah. <laughs> so one of those close enough. And we do have an arena right in the middle of the map. It's true. And we have three teams and the teams start on three sides of the arena. Yeah. yeah, so it's a uh, it's a hundred percent by design. Well, you can eat people on your same team, so I don't, there is that. Yeah. Like well, super... we were gonna. We're still work, we're still working <laughs> out the details. Like maybe you can only eat goops that are of the opposing uh, colors, but I don't know. We'll find out. Um, all right. So we also naturally got the butter smooth tools achievement because we get that one by default. That's <laughs> just one of the perks of being the organizers. Uh, let's see. We got uh, persistent universe. So the server is alive. Yeah, it just lives there and you touch it. Yeah. There's just that something about the game is just there forever. And when you leave and come back, the game doesn't care. Mm-hmm. It's still yeah. just doing its thing. Oh, that's not currently exactly true. Right. On account of all those bugs. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to fix this. So we get that. Achievement. Yeah, well, we're getting there. The server is persistent <laughs> until it dies. Um, we got the franchise achievement, which is, uh, it's like a shared universe or sequel game. So we made, this is actually the fourth, this is the fourth goop game that we've made. Yeah. Okay. So cover the, cover the saga so far. First game, Goopademic was a stealth game where you're a, a person, uh, who was in their apartment building and you got goop on your head. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) You got infected basically. You got infected by goop. And now there's all kinds of mercenaries, government or whatever, who are in there on a cleanup crew trying to get get you get you out of there because mm-hmm. you got the goop on you. Uh, so that was like a really weird eight-hour jam stealth game we made. Then we made Do You Even Lift, where a bunch of scientists were doing some experience. I guess I guess you Maybe got they caught. caught that guy. They caught that guy. Yeah, okay? they sort of synthesized whatever was on his head. Yeah, the goop. So the, so goop. the scientists they're trying. They're like, this goop is weird. Like we're gonna do some experiments. It's a on Stranger it. Things situation. Right? Yeah. yeah, but turns out. The goop got loose, and now mercenaries are helicoptering in. You know, they're they're hog riding. riding they're in. riding a space pig, and they're coming down uh, through the ceiling, and they're riding the elevators to try to defeat the goops and rescue the scientists. Right. So in that game, you play as the elevator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you play as the elevator. We didn't have time them. to make the elevator operator, yeah. which was eventually going to be person. Yeah. So that. now uh, the goops are out. Okay, they mm. got out. The mercs were un- – they were able to save the scientists, but they were not able to contain the goop. Could not. Okay. So Continues now, to spread. Now the goops are out in the wild. This is this is when goop legacy happens. The goop is starting to reproduce. Games. The goops are out in the wild and they're reproducing. But they're, they only, they're mixing genes. They're, they're, starting to, they're working their way up the evolutionary right. ladder. They're getting very strong, but they only live for a minute. So that's kind of the <laughs> oh, hard part. <laughs> that's the no, hard no, part. No, actually, it's not true though because the shorter your lifespan, the faster your evolutionary trajectory is. Oh, yeah. oh, right. That's yeah. true. Because the more yeah. rapidly you can. So we should yeah. say they're evolving really quickly because they only live for exactly. There you go. Um, so I believe uh, – so Musha is saying uh, that he doesn't believe we can play Goop Legacy anymore. I think you can play it, but you can't log into the rumpus correct. side. Yes. Or at least definitely correct your, on that latter part. Yeah, you can't mix your parts. Yeah, yeah you can't mix your Goop. Yeah, mm-hmm. we did have a, a DNA mixing thing in that game where like you could mix your Goop with another player's Goop and your Goop had dominant and recessive genes. Mm-hmm. And then like – and that was just part of – 
who your goop was. Uh, so you could like give somebody else your HP and get their. Yeah. And this was the know. first game that had rumpus in it. Yeah. Um, so that was goop legacy. And now we're on the fourth of the legendary <laughs> goop, <laughs> goop franchise that we only make during jams. Apparently. <laughs> apparently. Uh, and this one's now a full fledged MMO. Also, we have discord, <laughs> discord rich presence. Yeah. This is my my yeah. favorite thing was, was sure. Just sort of, just sort of quietly working in the background, getting uh, Discord rich presence work, which we don't have in any of our games, by the way. Like yeah. another thing we've just never done. And then he just comes, kind of comes over and he's like, hey, uh, it works now. I got, pull, <laughs> I, got, I got a pull request out. And then, we, yeah, it's just so some people saw us playing uh, on Discord, which is hysterical. But it's very cool. And probably the funniest cherry to put on top of this, like build an MMO achievement yep. is also have it have rich presence. Well, by the time of the jam, but now we also yeah. know that we can use rich presence in Levelhead, which we are definitely going to do so that's very cool. soon, probably probably. tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, also, sure I, next so we got a question from uh, Omer Rice who says, "Will the Goop franchise get big and turn into films, novels, etc?" <laughs> so here's the thing about the Goop franchise: this is only going to be made out of products that can be made in a weekend. Yep. Okay, so if we can make a Goop film in 48 hours, we'll do that. <laughs> if we can write a book in 48 hours, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. But any more time than that, it's just a, frankly, it's not worth it. Yeah. So very much like the you know the essence of the Goops, which is you know they live fast, die hard, die young, and hard, <laughs> die, <laughs> die young, bad Goops do it pretty good. Yeah, they do pretty they good. Say also the so the Q boy Goop, who was sort of the blockier square Goop in the uh, in Goop Legacy, who a lot of people liked, is actually the one I used as kind of the base model for what was supposed to be one of three. There are going to be three characters, but the total volume of animations I did for the character in uh, Fields of Goop was so high that I did not have time to do any more than the one. Yeah. Now, so we just did the, now the whole reason is they have legs. You know I mean, they, have, they have yeah. a whole, they got legs and arms. Legs and, and they're doing stuff, which is actually the big difference. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's part usually, of it, too. <laughs> usually we're just like, whatever, just bounce it on the ground and we'll and move put an on. explosion there. Yeah, put an explosion on it. And I'm trying to not do that anymore. So that was that was a big push on Yeah, this did, we definitely ratcheted the fidelity of our animations for, in terms of game drafts. Yeah, definitely. So by a lot. Enderstorm wants to know what, what ideas we have to expand the Goop franchise <laughs> into the future. Mm-hmm. So here's well, look, I mean, the next one has to be spacefaring Goops. You know? Well, the goops are expanding, so maybe but they're also gaining sentience. Well, I think they probably, they probably they don't yet there have needs culture. To be a city they don't yet have. Yeah, 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 that's that's true. Yeah, yeah. Then it's goop space program, and then it's a four X game. Then yeah. it's a four X. Uh, yeah. Goops are now. But what what goes? What's beyond four X? Five X. Obviously, <laughs> do we just go into VR at that point? And start I feel like five X. Wait, what's four X? Explore, expand, execute, ex- execute, exterminate. Exter- that's those are the same. And then there's no. Well, it depends on what your execute can also mean just <laughs> to perform like a function, you know? or just do well. Yeah. Mm. So what would the fifth X be? Five Exonerate. X. There you go. Ooh, you got to have gotta, a judicial system yep. in your game yep. as well. You got to develop the laws. Um, I saw that Astro Beef asked the question: How much did you guys improve from the Shenan Jam last year? So I think a really fun part about doing uh, any jam routinely is that you can use it as a benchmarking thing, which is yeah. fantastic. So. Um, Speaking of this from myself, in between this this jam and last year's jam, um, I have done just a ton of work on the art side. And I also took my first ever art class, which ended up – two art classes actually, which ended up adding about 230 hours to of additional art time at the end of last year to my sort of general pool, which is equivalent to like you know a couple of weeks of work, um, just pure or just like some number of jams. And so I actually posted earlier in the Shenanah Jam – 
uh, a image which actually has all of the art from uh, Fields of Goop on it. And I can definitely say that one, like I'm so one thing that I realized I really like doing is I just love animating because mm-hmm. for some reason, like I, th- I think I, I was very scared of it before because what it does, it requires a lot of different drawings from different <laughs> angles, from different angles. Even uh-huh. so surprise, that wasn't a thing I wanted to do. Um, but as I sort of crack it, started cracking into it, it's just so like, it's just where things get interesting and get fun. So that plop animation, for example, literally nothing is happening on the game side, literally nothing The character. Is the same as it was, but we just make it plop on the ground and sit down like a demo. And it is so fun to do. And so it's, it's one of those probably things. Probably the most important feature. Honestly, it probably yeah, yeah. is. And so it's one of those things where like they just add so much life. And so uh, that's what I really focus on for this jam. And I think um, at least I had a lot more confidence to just kind of start swinging for the fences on that stuff, which was a lot of fun. So I made a, I'm very happy with my output and also with just the quality of it this time around. Yeah. yeah. yeah I thought it was also really interesting from the programming perspective of. We put this we put this MMO together, and when it came to to actually like thinking through the game logic of how to talk to the server, it just wasn't that hard this time around. No, like we've tried to we've kind of like dabbled in trying to figure these things out in the past, and it always just seemed like this incoherent ball of nonsense mm-hmm. that we could never quite hit it from any angle. And this yeah. time, uh, it just kind of went. So yeah, I'd I actually say that nothing about it was it was every single moment was confusing. <laughs> yes because well, you're juggling so many well, things, you know? we had a conversation about it because i think I'd, on last night last night we had a pizza uh, arrive and we all just kind of descended on it downstairs and um adam and seth were like you know if this was actually like full production we would be we would not be doing it the way we are which is they're literally just screaming across <laughs> so they're yeah, we just have a production Adam's server like, yeah. i just made a breaking change is yeah. that Cool, because it's broken. Good luck. <laughs> I documented it, though, so we got that going for us. Yeah, we had Trello, but we were using it very loosely. Uh, yeah, and what, and what you would normally do is also, you know, the, the server wouldn't just be running, and Seth wouldn't be using the production server that I would be publishing all my channels yeah. to. <laughs> we didn't have a dev server. We didn't have it, yeah. And, and the idea, the reason that I did it that way is because I was like, well, I just needed to make sure that we know that whatever we actually accomplish works on the server. Because when we go to deploy it, if we deploy it and then it doesn't work, yeah. Then that's going to suck. So I was like, if we just keep it there the whole time, then Seth doesn't worry about setting it up on his machine so we don't waste time there. And I think probably for a weekend, that's that was still a good, good move. Yeah. Um, but even one more day, and that would have been the wrong move, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. So if we had a 53-hour jam, that's that's the yeah. cutoff. Because now, now you're going to need that local that local environment. Yeah. I mean, I think we're back. So we started around noon on Friday. And then we went to the uh, St. Louis Game Dev Co-op, which, by the way, I think right now they're doing their live demos uh, on a big projector over at Rankin Institute. So you won't be able to catch it currently, but uh, but they're over there showing off games and stuff, which is really cool. So we went to the barbecue. Um, so I think we're on – we're past 48 hours now. We're at more like 50-something, 53 maybe, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, we, we started at noon on Friday. We started at noon, but then yeah, we did we did spend a couple hours at that event. So we're yeah, we're yeah. like around the early fifties. Yeah. Someone was asking in the community forums if they were like, Oh, yeah, it's a seventy two hour seventy two hour jam. Is it actually forty eight? Like I'm confused. And I was like, The spirit of the jam was just to do cool stuff. So if you're just having a good time If you need another thirty done, minutes, go, I don't care. Do it. Just have fun. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, we we actually had a lot of people early on. Uh, trying to find the contours of the rules of the achievements. Like, does this count as triangles or and like, <laughs> what if I eat what's healthy enough for yeah. food? <laughs> mm-hmm. like, remember, this is all for you. Yeah. You this know? is all, 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 this whole jam is your own thing. So just, yeah. The, everything that we provided was to make it so that if you followed them as, 
as helpful guidelines, you would have the best experience for yourself yeah. possible. Well, so I'm curious what what uh, some people in the audience's take was on the jam. How did you how did you find it? How, was it your first time doing it? Like, give us a little bit about how how the jam actually you know what it did to you because we generally find that they tend to put us on this weird sort of creative high for just a couple of days. Yeah. And because part of my problem with getting that whole healthy living achievement, I went home and I went to bed in time to get eight hours of sleep, but I was just awake. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I got, you come about midnight and I was like, perfect. Mm Going to be up around eight. That's all good. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then at 1am, I'm still just like staring (laughs) at the ceiling. I had like seven different ideas for level head while I was driving home. And I was like, why? Yeah. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I, I had another thing happen where, Cause like we're here in the office working uh, and, and normally if it's a weekend and I'm, and I'm not working that I'm, I am like chatting with some of our level head uh, players and stuff and like collecting bug reports and whatnot. And I may like dabble in some bug fixes and stuff on like our main game, but here I'm like, I'm so busy trying to get this freaking goop MO up and running. <laughs> and I would like tab over to the level head channel and there's people talking about bugs that they're finding or whatever. And I, I saw it and I literally just started sweating. Like, <laughs> like my head just kind of like, it's like a waterfall. Situation. Uh, yeah. I, was, I was eating my breakfast. I was like, Oh no. <gasps> Cause there's stuff wrong in the game and I just can't fix it right now. You know? Uh, so that sucked. So I feel like I kind of like went even further than healthy living where I didn't get enough sleep. I ate pretty bad food. Cortisol levels through the <laughs> and roof. And I was just stressed as, <laughs> as hell about all these things going on. In le- like, level head is fine, but still, mm-hmm. you know, it's my baby. I got to yep. take care of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Moop mentioned that he gets less of a creative high in online jams, which I think is 100% always going to be the case. Face-to-face interaction is really good. I was actually yep. chatting with someone about, um, about remote work the other day. Um, just kind of shoot the breeze about it. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where I think it was such a big trend in like the early 2000s when it was mm-hmm. suddenly possible to do and like a, a legitimate thing to do. But he was like, he, his partner works in uh, like in another country and then came over for six months to finish one of their games and actually lived in the same spot. And he said it was just like so good working yep. together. So yeah, I mean, for, for well, the next now, gen- we also know the, uh, the rack seven team. Mm-hmm. So they made uh, <laughs> dark echoes and, they're making a splitter critters and weird Sasquatch gate. Like mm-hmm. they make weird stuff. Uh, they live like three blocks from each other and they work remotely. <laughs> <laughs> they, they said they see each other every few months or something. Yeah. Like and they're like, I just can't be bothered so to funny. go over there. So it's, I guess it's not for everyone, but yeah. Yeah. And I see uh, Michael Savage said, who's also the one who made the ping submarine mm-hmm. game, which I'm very excited about. Said this jam made life brighter. Not joking. Edges seem sharper. My mood is up. I feel highly motivated. My gym time yesterday was super effing pumped up. Yeah, gym time yeah. in the middle of a jam is pretty magical. It's also good because you mm-hmm. want to get back to the jam, so you're just like, I gotta, I gotta pump this yeah. so fast. <laughs> you know? That's where you fracture a molar yeah. from the clenching. Yep, you know. Yeah, and Bomb said, I thought this was absolutely amazing. It was so challenging. I haven't made any sort of game for like a decade. I kind of followed some tutorials and spent and spent like an hour a few times, but it was so good to work on something and see it coming along. And I think that's just a really big part of it. Is like, again, it's it's the thing. It's getting over that uh, the inertia, right, of of having not built something for a long time or having not done yeah. something like this. And I think I always think about that really weird fact about physics, which is that what is it? Uh, if something's sitting on the ground, it takes more force to start oh, moving. Static friction static. versus yeah. yeah, yeah. So static friction versus whatever the hell the other one's called, mobile friction. I guess whatever. let's call it that. Once something's moving, it's much easier to keep it moving. Is yeah. generally the point. Uh, and getting something started it actually just requires a higher sort of burst of energy. Yep. And I think jams are just super good for exactly that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think 
life kind of hits you with this sort of like death by a thousand chores thing, you know, where <laughs> yes. under a normal scenario, you've got, you've got a weekend. And even if you do have the weekend, you know, free, there's dishes to do, there's meals to cook, there's groceries to get, there's laundry, there's kids, there's all kinds of yards stuff. to mow. Yeah. And when you do a jam, you, you get to, it's like you put on armor that just kind of keeps those things from hitting you for a while. Yeah. Just, in reality, it's just, called just piling up the outside. armor of neglect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but it's pretty amazing to see what you can do when you just put everything in yeah. to, to making something. But also you know? it's funny how when you come back, you realize how everything's kind of falling apart. It, it, and it only took two days. <laughs> Which is also <laughs> horrifying in yeah. a third way. I went out for my run this morning and I, so we almost – our, our garage is at the back of our house. So we always come in and out through the back of our house and almost never through the front. The front, of, of course, is where everybody else would and, right. and where people see our house. The guests. So entrance. it kind of always has some neglect going on out there, um, which is a bummer because, again, <laughs> that's that's the part that people see. Uh, but I was leaving this morning and I, last weekend I spent hours and hours and hours like cleaning up everything in the yard. Leave to go running this morning and it's like a fucking – there was so much green stuff everywhere coming out of every nook and cranny. Uh-huh. It's like crawling into the every <laughs> space. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to deal with this. Yeah. But I got a jam to go to, so yep. I'll do that later. Later. Did you start sweating? Because that's my go-to strategy. Uh, I did, but that was mostly because it was hot outside. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, we've got conflicting answers about this physics Point. It's called kinetic friction, I remember. It is kinetic? Yeah. Right. We're dynamic and kinetic. No, so kinetic. Thanks. I don't know how to say that name. <laughs> Dodecado. I'm just going to call it that. Dodecado is so kinetic friction. There we go. Thanks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have a comment from Atlantic who says, This game jam uh, taught me more about how to work with other creatives. I learned that other creatives are not just superhumans who can create awesome art and music in no time. Now I know what to expect when working with artists and musicians. Yeah. Yes. It all takes a long time. Everything takes a long time. Yes. And we, we kind of talked about this in the past where um, I think especially for Sam and I, when we first started making games, we had actually both spent time doing the other person's job. Yep. <laughs> so Sam, yeah. Sam had been programming games a little bit here and there, mm-hmm. and I made my own games solo for about a year and a half. And that was everything. So you did, you did the art. Did you do music from? I found royalty free music right. here and there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we were all we all did music in uh, high school and stuff. So we kind of know things about music at right. least. Um, so I think getting to work alongside other people who are good at what they do or even just like really fully trying to do it yourself. And it really, it really allows you to work with other people more easily and it teaches you a lot about yes. what's required. Yeah. Well, because it's easy from the outside to, for example, I, you know, I would post a, a little gif of basically a sketched out animation for, we have a thing called a bottle tree in uh, Fields of Goop. And it's just this big tree that has sort of like a, a twist tie around the top of it. And then every so often it kind of like reaches up and kind of turns into a little propeller for a second. And I was working on it and made the, I made the rough animation in about, probably 25 or 30 minutes, which was seven or eight frames. Um, showed that around the office. I was like, hey, does this look like a good thing we can do? And Seth it's like, yeah, shoot for it. So I was like, okay. So I started working on it. And then, you know, about an hour, hour and a half later, and I'm fast at this point. I keep that in mind. So hour and a half later, I have six of the eight frames done. And I'm just looking at those last two frames. And I'm like, those are the ones, because it revolves like twisting an object in 3D space really hard. Yeah. And I was like, those are the two that are going to take me another hour and a half. So I can either do that or I can build this giant arena that Adam wants where everybody can start killing each other on. Um, but having that context where you can say, okay, just getting a rough animation in for one artist can take, you know, literally an hour to an hour and a half to figure out the animation, not to 
not to get something that you could actually put in your game, yep. right? So having a bigger team is always nice for that sort of thing because people can actually spe- specialize a little bit. But uh, it is definitely one of those things that, that you learn over time is just how how much energy and how much effort has to go into each individual piece to make the whole thing work. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good for team building. Um, we'd also like to ask the question, uh, what about this jam was harder than you expected and what was easier than you expected? Uh, especially for anybody who's here as like a first time jam. Uh, for me overall, it was just, it was easier to collaborate on, on, even though we didn't do it in the best sort of development way possible. It was screaming across. The yeah, <laughs> it was still surprisingly easy. Our methods were loud to collaborate <laughs> on uh, on having basically two independent pieces of software that are, in terms of their development and what they're doing, that are fully dependent on each other to make any sense and actually work. And um, even earlier when we were trying to debug stuff, Sam was like, "Why don't you just revert it?" And I was like, "Well, because I can revert some stuff, but, but now the game's broken. But now the game's yeah. broken, and you know, it's so." Despite all of that, it was actually surprisingly easy just to to make all that stuff work. Mm. Now, back when we made our our original MMO experimental prototype a couple weeks ago, yep. uh, we had the game and the server in the same Git repo. Yeah. Which might have been the right would be move. Better. That was probably the right move. <laughs> we didn't do that this time. Yep. <laughs> well, now we know. Now you well, know. Now you know. When that Crashlands MMO comes out, it's going to be you know, based in the Git <laughs> repo. Yep. Crashlands MMO. Crashlands 3. So I see that uh, Kamimoop said, making my own font was harder than expected. Oh, what? shit. Making fonts is its own art form. Yeah, it's its own thing. Do you know how many letters there are? And numbers? A lot. And then symbols? <laughs> Oh my. Especially if you speak God. any language other than English. Yeah. Now you got all these weird dangly things hanging off your letters and dots and wiggle lines. Yeah. The funny thing about this too is that finding fonts that already exist is really hard. Because you know? <laughs> if you're like, I need to, you decide what languages you got to support. And then mm-hmm. so you go, and then you go find places that have fonts available that are searchable. And then you try to find fonts that you like. Mm-hmm. And then you find out, okay, what's the license on this fucking thing? And then, okay, what languages does it support? Which it doesn't tell you. Yep. So then you open up the character sheet and you're like, I, I see some Russian in there. So maybe it's good. But does it cover the yeah. whole Russian alphabet? Like, I don't know. Is it missing whatever the Russian E is? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. Yep. <laughs> we use, use defont.com, by the way, because you can search and you can put a little drop down in the search that says only 100% free fonts. So that way you just don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Go through there. Yeah. Super nice. Um, I think for me, the uh, the just overall just working so much was weirdly easier than I thought it was. I feel like the last couple of jams I've been working through some stuff sort of like in, a, in how I relate to the art. And this time I was just, I was literally just making stuff for the whole yeah, time. It seemed like you just kind of were determined to just have a good time with it. I was having a really good time. But the thing is, I wasn't even determined. I just was. Yeah. That, that was sort of the difference. You know? I, do you think part of it is because knowing, knowing that, that Adam and I had such a technical load and you were, and you were like, I could focus like stress out about volume and speed, mm-hmm. but there's no way that that's going to get I think it's that I think my mindset has actually shifted pretty much entirely now where it's, I didn't care. I was basically, cause we always figured out how to work with stuff, right? Yeah. That's just how it always comes out. So, you know, I started working on the character and I was like, I think it'd be really fun to push this character design a bunch and do weird stuff. And I just asked you, I was like, Hey, is it, is it cool if I spend like four hours making this thing? And you're like, yeah. yeah, I'm over here with smoke coming off my keyboard. I'm like, whatever, man. <laughs> yeah, you so do you? <laughs> Which is super nice. You know, thanks to you guys for for actually being flexible with that sort of thing. Um, Seamus Ol said, settling on a concept is a lot easier when there's time pressure. Yes, this is definitely true. This is why we use uh, frequently in the studio. We'll use jams to generate ideas for games because the short, super short window helps you from uh, stop you from accidentally blowing things out. 
And yep. it's very easy to do. We've done it with Levelhead even at some point. Uh, people from the Shenanah Con last year will have remembered the open world prototype we showed them. Yeah. Yeah. Which did exist for Levelhead for Which a while. Which we may. I mean, we may have that. We may bring that back to Shenanah Con. Yeah. Let me mm-hmm. tell you, the Levelhead campaign was originally an open world RPG like Pokemon where you would go to other <laughs> – there would be other members of the Bureau of Shipping – and they would have their like batch of levels that they made, and you would have to defeat them and get badges. It was just like a Pokemon <laughs> battle. The problem was as soon as we did the math on it, we were like, we're going to need like a year thousands of levels. Yeah, just yeah. Because if you're like, okay, if you if you think about Pokemon, like you go, you fight somebody, and they've got like four yep. to six Pokemon. Yep. Right? Does that mean we have to build four to six custom levels per for, person? Yeah. Shit. That's yeah. a lot. So it had a bunch of holes with. in it, and we had to throw that out the window at some point. Kami said, honestly, I expected it to be a lot harder than it actually was. As soon as we got the idea, it just seemed to roll out quite smoothly, obviously with a few hiccups here and there. I think that's exactly what a jam usually does because it rips off this sort of – the I think the the idea that this is going to be huge. Yeah, so the thing you that keeps me from doing stuff like this is that it sounds like it's going to be hard. sounds like it's going to be a lot of work. sounds like you won't be able to pull it off. And so you're just like, I'll just not. You know, it sounds like if, you, you know, if, you, if you're going to work on this big project, you don't want to – Kind of just shove it together. No, yeah, yeah. You, you said you got a production server. You got to do other setup. You got all these things working, and so you know. After also, some time, you just slowly die. We also have Bam saying, uh, "Getting familiar with GML and getting over, but it should work like this was hard." <laughs> that is one of the most important lessons you can take away, just for for programming or working with tools in general. Which is that the moment you try to force a tool to work the way a different tool works, because that's the tool that you know. That's when you're going to have a terrible time. Yeah. And this is when anytime you hear somebody say X language sucks, right? Uh, everything has its pros and cons, definitely. So there are things about anything that suck, definitely. But it's not the language that sucks. It's the fact that you're trying to make that language be a different one. And it's not. It just, it isn't. just isn't that thing. It's you know? got its thing. You know, Game Maker is incredible for making things really fast. You know what it's bad for? Teamwork. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's why we have a small team. You know, I think I think if we scaled up uh, to a larger team, we'd probably have to use something else. Yeah, we have to jump in. Yeah. Unless we want to just live in nightmare land. Yep. You know, uh, Bam also said, "No time for scope creep if you have no time," which I think is also true. Although fantastic, people point. are surprisingly good at, at creeping their scopes. They are in the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Like, yeah, as, as the timer wears down, you by twenty four hours in, they're like, just "You're just discarding." Work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> BK Taco said, this is my first jam and first game. So congrats. That's freaking awesome. I've only ever followed tutorials and videos, and I found it was harder to get started with a blank project than I thought it would be. Yeah. And just kept coming up coming up blank with how to do things. But over the weekend, it has gotten easier. Um, yeah, that's a big – that's a huge piece of it is you don't have enough expertise to know what's available to grab onto. Yep. Right? So there's all these – it's kind of like – Yeah, as far as you're concerned, making Call of Duty is pretty much the same as making Pong. Yep. Like in terms of like how, how you, you would, start, yeah. how you would deal with exactly that. right. So there's there's not enough pieces at, at play, and so a big part of these jams too is that uh, what we try to do with them, like we said, with always kind of stretching a little bit, is finding some new stuff so that when you come across problems in your other work or just day to day, that you now have a few of these other uh, tools mm-hmm. in, in your toolkit. To work. Well, I mean, even the very beginning of of uh, development this weekend, um, Seth was just ripping code out of other projects. He was like. I, he's like, oh, oh yeah. I've already solved this problem. So you like, go find something. Yeah, that we have probably two to three hundred prototypes and mm. discarded projects just laying around, and I can I can Frankenstein any <laughs> together out <laughs> yeah. of those. So, but yeah, and again, I think that kind of comes back to that question about like about doing jams and what the point is. 
because I remember when I first started doing Ludum Dare, which was in 2013, mm-hmm. this was uh, around the time that they started allowing people to use, God forbid, game engines. <laughs> because Ludum Dare was originally building everything from scratch. Including your programming language. For some reason, they didn't they, – they allowed that. You, you didn't have you to invent, have that. Yeah. You, do, do, they have, do they have a list of allowed languages since some might be too easy? Here's what we had to do. Before the jam, before the jam, before the jam gun goes off, you have to disassemble your computer. Yeah. Oh, and shit. And then the jam gun goes off. Build your computer. Blindfolded. Blindfolded. Build the game. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But you got you to start with the mining. Yeah. Mm. You mine the ore. So you all start out in a mine. <laughs> You mine the ore. You take it. In, no, you got to build the smelter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so where we kind of land on this is is the most important thing about a jam is that you get something out of it. Yeah. And if you know, I've made nineteen different games and game prototypes that have an open world resource spawning system. I could just do that again, but I'm not really going to go anywhere with it, yeah. right? So it's better to just rip that in, just put it in, and then build Move a on new, to the new, a new thing on top mm-hmm. of that. Yep. Uh, that rumpus said one of the hardest things for me was learning to say no to certain ideas. When we were kicking out ideas for our game at the beginning, everything sounded so good, but I had to assess what I could realistically accomplish, and I still got in over my head. Yeah, this is this is where can we not comes into play. Yeah, or rather, we'd like to start almost more so with a premise. Yeah, if that makes sense, than than a fully fleshed out idea. So, so in this case, we were like, okay, let's use this DNA chaos thing. We we know we wanted to do the franchise. So we got the goops going. Um, we, we fired we up this, the goops. <laughs> fired up the goops. And we <laughs> knew, the question is always just, what has to happen next? Yeah. Right? And so we, we had this, uh, we knew we were going to do this MMO thing. And so the first question was, um, okay, you know, how big is, the, is it room-based or is it a world that you can infinitely walk around in? And we had to talk about how that works on a server. And that was the, dic- the dictating factor. It's probably easier actually to do an open world than room-based. So, okay. Well, it turns out that an open world just is a bunch of rooms. Really? Yeah. They're just – It's your neighborhood's concept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so figured that out. And then basically we just sort of worked through all the constraints to figure out where we actually needed to start and then just started there. And said, and then so as we've, we've discussed even on the podcast a little bit, um, kind of shifted what we thought would be successful for the game as we went. So starting with the premise is usually a little bit – Yeah. Easier. And here's the thing. The game probably isn't actually very good. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't, it's not going to be. There's it's, no, yeah. it's barely a game. Yeah. We haven't gotten to actually play and balance it. At all. Yeah, we we're just, we're just kind of scrambling to get to, yeah. get the systems working. I also want to bring attention to Zivix's comment. Who's, Zivix said, I also realized jams can be really disheartening if you change ideas a few hours in or just generally don't know what you want to do with what you have. But just really forcing myself, uh, forcing yourself to dive in and iterate is probably more important in those cases. I just kept making small improvements and changes and suddenly everything clicked and I knew what the game needed to be. Yeah. So this is actually what happened with Levelhead also. So probably the most iconic part of the gameplay in Levelhead is the grappling hook and the package. Those didn't exist in the game until seven months yeah. into development. And we had already shown it to Nintendo and everybody else and had been like, we're going to make this. Yeah. And they were like, cool, it looks great. Yeah. And the whole time behind the scenes, we were kind of screaming because we we're like, this is still just a generic platform. It's just a generic platformer with no, no nothing else twist, happening. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, and then and then as soon as we we got that in, then all of a sudden everything started clicking, and then the rest of the gameplay fell into place. So sometimes it just is a grind, you know. You just keep putting stuff in, and it's just like life. You know, you look out for opportunities and take them when they come by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I see that Taylor also said I'm pretty new to Mono Game, which is a hundred percent code based framework. And one thing I struggled a lot with is just how to organize the code in the assets. Oh yeah, that takes a lot of practice. Which is a, again one of those weird things where you're like, what are you going to be doing if you're making a game? Actually, you will spend a lot of time figuring out your directory structures. Yep. 
because if you don't, it'll bite you in the ass. Because it matters a lot. <laughs> I mean, I was playing, cause, yeah, for this for this jam, I was using TypeScript, which is the first time I've done TypeScript on like a really fast paced project that was pretty sizable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of my time was spent trying to figure out how do how do I organize code specifically for TypeScript because you, you think about it completely differently. Mm, right. Um, and, uh, but I had all that, I had all this experience to draw from just working with, working with Node and JavaScript for the past, you know, two years now so that I had a starting point. And so it wasn't too hard to, to do that, but I, I definitely remember back when I started programming just in general, but particularly anytime I switched to a new framework or language, the first hurdle was always just, where the fuck do I put this? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And then, Cause then you start coding all of a sudden you can't find stuff anymore. And then, you know, like it, it starts to become really hard and, and, Combining that with the tools that you're using, because how you organize yeah. things and what tools you use in combination is the secret to being able to to successfully yeah. develop. So stuff. actually, I started looking at this uh, this other vector program called uh, Aspect. I think I sent it to you. I can't remember the name. Uh, now, it I'm did start with an A, though. It starts with an A. Um, it's fully functional, really beautiful thing. And I played around with it at home, and I was like, I'm very excited about this. But the weird thing is, I've gotten so used to working on just a single, gigantic, basically infinitely scalable canvas, which is what. Inkscape just is mm-hmm. just one that uh, in in this thing you actually have to define the size of your canvas before you start. What? I'm like, <laughs> what does this even mean? It's I don't know how to I don't know how to approach a dev like that. And also whenever I make whenever I make art assets, I always kind of carry around a pile of previous things I made to keep the kind of the vibe. So as soon as I got the character done, for example, in uh, Fields of Goop, there was just a sort of a pack of their frames just coming with me everywhere I went. They're just and, hanging out next to yeah. your stuff. As soon as I build some items, like those kind of go in that pile. And then like when I would go into the UI even, I just take those. those that's the thing I start with in a new file is I just take this previously made art. It's a reference. It's a reference. It's, you exactly. got, it's like your palette you know, yeah. for painting. And so I don't know how I would do that in yeah. some of these other programs. It's like, and they have a lot of layer management and that sort of thing, which I know is supposedly good. But also I just don't like dealing with it. It's, yeah. I was like, ah, it, it wouldn't just be like, oh, you could have this new powerful tool. It'd be like, oh. You got to rebuild you literally you everything. Change works. your workflow. Yeah, and it doesn't work with different. Inkbot either, which would be a pain. Yes. Uh, so, so we also got a question from uh, that Rumpus who said, "Are there any games or prototypes of yours that you use the most often?" Um, so this is something I wanted to definitely bring attention to uh, for people who just finished this jam or who are finishing this jam and would like to do another one at some mm-hmm. point. Um, so, depending on your your engine, uh, you you'll want to try to find ways to salvage things. So typically what we will do after a jam like this is at some point we will uh, set aside time, even like a whole day to talk through the stuff that we did and try to figure out ways to develop tools around those things or in order to turn those things into packages that we can then kind of like bring with us. So the easiest example is we have a thing called the Bscotch pack, which is something like 500 scripts and several dozen objects and shaders and a bunch of other stuff that we've built up over seven years and we just bring it with us with every project mm-hmm. that we do and every project that we do, we just add stuff to it. Yep. Um, and to a point where, you know, maybe we hit a point where we're like, Oh yeah, we don't have the ability to like see if two lines intersect. Okay. Now we do. And that's just forever part of our toolkit. Right. Um, so there's that stuff. And then there's, then there's stuff like, yeah, the world generation thing happens a lot with like yes. a top down open world kind of a thing. Well, we, we tend to like to make games like that that have, that you can just go run around. You just go running reason. around in yeah. the wilderness. Mm-hmm. In the fields of goop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So those kinds of things are pretty important for the kinds of games that we make, um, as well as just general uh, like upgrade systems, saving loading systems, uh, basic interface items like buttons. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. The really nice thing yeah. about being a programmer is that you can 
you don't just get to take the knowledge with you in your head. Yeah, you can uh, take the work. You can take the work with you, which yeah. if you're not doing that as as a programmer or just as a jammer in general, uh, you definitely should be. Because it's like, you know, most of the value, if, if someone's going to, for example, hire like a senior, senior level person specifically to do something they've been doing for a long time, what they're usually buying is essentially it's the B-Scotch pack equivalent, right? Which is this person is very smart and knows their shit, but they come with come with tools this yeah. crazy suite of tools that they've built <laughs> yeah. uh to help them do stuff and on the art side it's a little bit different right because you can't just take it with you um you gotta yeah every time you make a new character you make it a new character, character. Yeah. um but so there's there are there are rules and stuff though and there are things that make it way easier so um you know i was laughing with uh with the team earlier because i think uh adam's wife jenny was here and mentioned something about like oh i really like the colors in the game and i was like cool i stole them from a picture <laughs> which is a new thing I do, which is like I have a I have a, a Pinterest board. I do use Pinterest a lot, actually. Just just look at cool pictures on there called Art Collection. Anything I see that I'm just like, this is really good. I just put it in there. And then before the jam, I looked through it and I was like, which one of these has good colors? And I found sort of an array of six of them that I liked, piled them all together, and then ended up just using one of them. And I literally just made a little grid of circles and just droppers. I saw that. I saw that little exactly what it was i was like this is good because it goes it has darks it has lights it goes from cool to warm i was like done this will give me everything i need and then i just use that to build everything and part of it is of course you'll notice if you play fields of goop that it does have a restricted color palette so there's like there's a lot of the use of the same ones so i didn't get i didn't have time to really expand on it but it was more than enough to kind of solve that entire color problem which if you think about an artist's color problem you have 256 million colors to choose from every time you make something and then, That's if you're gonna, too many. and then if you're going to put a gradient on it, now you have – It's the same as the file structure problem for like yes, starting a exactly. coding project. It's, you, you have nothing yet and you got to yeah. make some choices yeah. about how you're going to start this thing. Yeah, I think for – the stuff that I like to carry along is actually mostly uh, is mostly tooling to make it easier to program. Yeah. Um, more so than actually – more so than taking things that are already solved. It's more just like being ready to solve any problem that, that comes at me. And so I like to invest a lot of my time – in in creating that tool and even, even while i'm doing development stuff if I, if I see an opportunity for a new tool i'll just go ahead and make it because now mm-hmm. i got it and i can use it uh, moving forward um and i think and otherwise i just try to identify things that if i had the time i would make some tooling around so mm-hmm. that the next time i have to solve anything like these problems i'll be ready to do that um so that's what i'd really like to do so for for this jam since it was all server side stuff um i got to make use of all the tooling that i've built previously for making deployment really easy so that we can just like it just, I just have a one, it's a one, one enter button maneuver. And now the mm. thing propagates on and it exists on the server. And without having stuff like that, everything else about your programming life just is a drag because yeah. you're just constantly waiting for things and you're constantly repeating the same actions over and over again. And so getting to focus on just the actual solving of the interesting problems, whether by recycling code or by uh, building out your, your framework and tooling or ideally both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are the, that's where the real power comes from yeah. and yeah. the fun. And it's it's been interesting doing this jam because we haven't jammed since last Shenana jam, right? Yeah. yeah. And actually at last Shenana jam, we hadn't jammed since the prior Shenana. Yeah. Jam. Um so it it definitely feels like we've come a lot farther this time than we did last time in terms of just where all of our skills are. So that that I'm pretty excited about. Um all right, well I think we're almost out of time. Is there any final thing out of any question out of the Discord? Uh, let's see. Oh yeah. Zivik says, uh, Sam, what new knowledge from classes or otherwise would you say has helped your art the most in the past year? Uh, I think two things. 
One was just doing a lot of drawings because I no longer care if I have to do more drawings. Which is did you right. used to care? Yeah, I'd be like, God damn it, this didn't work, and then I had to go do another one. And so, uh, the, like the redoing of work, yeah, redoing like, this idea yeah. that you were redoing work. I think, yeah, yeah. I, so our, I was actually thinking about this because I was looking at fields of goop, and we've got a whole bunch of really interesting objects in the world, and they're animated. So, like the trees mm-hmm. as you walk past, you're like, Meh, and like they make bite them they make start, noise, yeah. and they kind of wiggle. And we have like these flowers that kind of retreat into a like a shell, mm-hmm. like a, like a weird anemone thing. They're pine tatoes. Pine tatoes. Um, <laughs> and I was thinking about this and I was thinking back on our Crashlands work. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the world of, of Crashlands compared to fields of goop, uh, it's very static. Yes. Right? Like the creatures move around, but the items in the world are actually pictures of items. But the creatures aren't yeah. really animated so much as they have a bunch of parts that wiggle together. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yep. No, the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so looking at kind of, because of course we started making Crashlands at the end of 2013. Yeah. Six years ago, just about. Yeah. So you can really kind of like just see just how far, just how far oh, yeah. the art has come. Yeah, for sure. So I think, yeah, the, the big one is is just learning not to care about having to do more drawings and recognizing that it's not redoing work because it's actually part of the doing of the work in the first place. Yeah. And that's true for, for programming too. When you're, when you're refactoring stuff, cause you fucked it up. Yep. Um, that's just part of it. That's just, that's just part, part of it. I mean, easily, easily three quarters of my entire weekend of programming was actually just refactoring and improving things and making mm-hmm. things generic so that I could reuse them. Um, yeah. cause that's, you get to, you get to the, the cool thing is that you're actually making your own tools just by program just by doing the work right and and you're skilling up and you're improving and you're solving your problems and so on and so there's there's just nothing there's no reason to feel bad about the time spent yeah i think i love refactoring the other the other other piece is the idea of gesturing gesture drawing um which if you if you look it up you'll be like doesn't seem like that big a deal because basically all it is is you just figure out what the gesture of a thing is which literally you just simplify it as much as you can into like a line um and it's one of those things that until you get it, it seems kind of trite and maybe even like a waste of time. And then once you get it, you're like, oh, that's everything. OK, yeah. got it. <laughs> uh, and it helps you guide every single decision. So uh-huh. I think I feel like I've just got enough layers now in terms of how I think about the, each individual piece that it's just easier to do everything. Hmm. Yeah, that's good advice. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for this episode. Um, so this was a live episode from the middle of the Butterscotch Jam. This is going to go out uh, on the normal Wednesday as a regular podcast recording. I think those of you who are listening to Discord are listening through a weird meteor microphone that's really far away from all of us. Mm-hmm. So if you want to rehear this with actual good quality, <laughs> uh, you can you can do that. Um, so we'd like to thank uh, our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for making the podcast sound good and run smoothly. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net. Uh, we've got links to uh, pretty much everything that you need. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.